on the 30th day of October, Halloween gave to me 30 bloody gazebos, 29 used cars killing, 28 James Wood smoking, 27 maggots squirming, 26 phone booth lunches, 25 cotton candy cocoons, 24 space vampire snogging, 23 bloody canoes, 22 pool corpses, 21 groovy ashes, 20 Japanese giallos, 19 kung fu vampires, 18 haunted marches, 17 eternal lonelinesses, 16 cursed VHS tapes, 15 spectral snapshots, 14 mothers murdering, 13 prices bleeding, 12 models dying, 11 Betty's baking, 10 prices burning, 9 seagulls pecking, 8 scientists sneaking, 7 goldwin shooting, 6 psychic scamming, 5 naked witches, 4 alien spelunking, 3 UFO abductions, 2 deputy so-and-sos, and a masked hawk being creepy. Well, hello, Halloweeneries, hello, Halloweensters, hello, Halloween, Halloweeniacs. Uh, it is, it is I, your, your pal Bo, here for uh, one of our final two movies uh, this here season. The thirty-one days of Halloween is quickly drawing to a close, and that means Halloween is is upon us and is about to come and go. And that is, ah, uh, oh, party is such sweet sorrow, um, but. Uh, we are going to celebrate uh, the best way we know how, which is by talking about horror movies here on uh, the Dark Parade slash Legion podcast. And we're down to the last two Stephen King ad- adaptations I'm going to talk about. Um, this obviously is David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone for uh, our 30th entry into the 31 Days of Halloween for 2022. And uh, we talked yesterday about Carpenter. And his adaptation of Christine. And how much I love that. And as much as I love that, The Dead Zone may be my personal favorite King adaptation. Uh, You know, you can argue The Shining, Kubrick, uh, of course, does an amazing job. But it's not really an adaptation of King's work. I mean, it kind of is, but it's it's really an interpretation. it's, It's sort of a jazz riff on the book because it's so different uh, from the source material in a lot of great ways, but it is very different uh, from, from that source material. And so I think the dead zone is the adaptation that is both very faithful to the original work, which I also like quite a bit. It's one of the, the handful of Stephen King books that I can read and just cry at the end because I think it is uh, such a, a, a heartbreaking tragedy of a story uh, because you like the character of John Smith so much. Um, but it it is a almost direct translation of that book onto screen. And to do that, you have somebody like David Cronenberg at the wheel. And David Cronenberg, you know, obviously is known for his... Uh, body horror stuff. He's a brilliant filmmaker. And this was one of the first times I remember thinking like Cronenberg can be restrained. You know, it reminds me a little bit of David Lynch doing the elephant man where left to his own devices, David Lynch is more interested in capturing dream logic and exploring how cinema can communicate ideas and emotions without necessarily engaging 
the the conscious part of your brain and and being able to sort of beam directly into the subconscious and it's one of the things that makes him a, a genius but also it makes his movies a bit more obtuse and then you see something like the elephant man and you're like oh he could just make a movie you know <laughs> like just a straightforward narrative or the straight story something like that and Cronenberg is the same way that you know it, when History of Violence and Eastern Promises and that kind of thing uh, came out, it was like, oh, he doesn't have to be weird. It's just who he is. And and some of his later movies, like, you know, Spider and, and films like that, are, are sort of this weird blend of the more, you know, cerebral, uh, exploratory Cronenberg and the more traditional filmmaker that, that Cronenberg has evolved into in some ways or or has has chosen to use more traditional narrative to explore his themes and ideas um you know like past crash and that kind of thing um you know it, but even then you know i mean cronenberg is always a little bit weird but this is i don't know if it's because he had a particular affinity for the material if it was just a gig you know, like like Christine was for Carpenter, and maybe that's the secret, right? Is you get these kind of brilliant, uh, you know, genre filmmakers and say, like, hey, we don't want you to put a whole lot of English on this. You're just gonna play this one right down the middle, and what happens is you get this perfect confluence of David Cronenberg, who's a very very good director, uh, a great director, and a screenplay that is very competent in its adaptation of the source material. You know, no no surprises. We're not doing anything fancy. Uh, the, uh, Jeffrey Boehm, Boehm was the guy who did the script for this, who uh, had also written like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, um, Inner Space, which I think is a, a, a terrific movie, uh, Funny Farm, which I think is very funny, uh, did some work on... Um, Lethal Weapon also wrote The Lost Boys, uh, Lethal Weapon 2, um, you know, and, and a, a great uh, a great writer, right? And uh, so he's adapting one of my favorite books. And it's also, like Christine, it's one of the more contained books from Stephen King. It's not very long. It's not one of his, you know, thousand-page opuses, opi. Um you know, I remember <laughs> picking up the Dead Zone when I first discovered King and thinking like, well, this doesn't seem very long. I don't know if I'm going to like this very much. And of course, by the end of it, I'm just crying and uh, the, the the story is so captivating. Uh, and let's talk about that. So he, the story is a pretty simple one, which is you have uh, a guy named John Smith, uh, obviously a stand in for an everyman with a name like John Smith. Uh, Johnny, as he's called in the book, and he's got his his love of his life, uh, Sarah, and you know it, everything's going well. They're both school teachers. Uh, there's a terrific scene at the beginning of the movie with Christopher Walken, who we'll talk about in a minute, like reading the Raven to his class and then assigning them the the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and saying like, "You're gonna love it. It's about a demon." that kills his teacher and you know kind of grinning and like everybody's having a good time it's a good life and 
the first implication that there uh, there might be something wrong happens when he takes her to a theme park and he starts to have headaches. He's just not feeling good. And uh, he takes her home and she invites him in. And this is obviously a different time because Johnny Smith does the chivalrous thing here and says, some things are worth waiting for. I don't, I, I don't want to go to bed with you just yet. I want it to be, you know, right place, right time, one assumes. And he tells her, I'm going to marry you. And I always saw this, as, the, the, him leaving, as sort of the influence of his mother, who's very religious. Like, he obviously grew up in a very strict religious environment. And and again, it was just a sign of the times, right? Like, there's a, a much more lax attitude about sexuality. And, and particularly, um, you know, if you've been dating a while or even just a couple of dates, then... You know, going to bed together is not the deal that it once was. It doesn't have the same, I don't want to say importance, but the the same significance attached to it. Uh, you know, it's more about personal pleasure and, and you know, trusting a partner and et cetera, et cetera, in modern context. But at the time, that you know, bigger deal. And so it's not totally strange for him to say, the time isn't quite right, let's... Let, let's put a pin in it and then but but soon and and he tells her like I'm gonna marry you and um, she her response is you better and so he leaves it's a rainy night she asks him to stay but he won't uh, and on the way home he gets into an accident when a milk truck overturns and he runs into you know this tanker that's kind of you know, sliding down the highway at him and he doesn't see it in time because his windows are fogging up and, uh, and he gets into a, a, a crash and wakes up five years later. Only now he has, uh, to put it in Sarah's words, the gift of second sight, where if he touches, uh, someone in, in the first case, a nurse, um, he can see, you know, the present or the future or, or, or the past, um, some insight into their life. In the, in the case of the nurse, he sees that her house is on fire and her daughter is threatened and he tells her to run home and she does. She saves the little girl and it's the first indication of like, oh, I, not only can I see things, I can change those events, which he does a couple of times in the movie. He does it here, uh, when he first saves the little girl. Um, he does it later when there's uh, a hockey team practicing on the ice. And there's the classic, if you listen to any of the Duncan and Bo stuff, uh, I adore Duncan saying, the ice is gonna break. And, you know, Christopher Walken, very assertive about the fact that this tutor of his, this kid um, that he's tutoring, will die. And, and he saves his life. And uh, so that is the setup for the larger story, um, which kind of comes along at the end of the film, where Martin Sheen plays uh, a, a guy named Greg Stillman, a, a politician, who's a little unhinged. And when Johnny shakes his hand, he gets a vision that this is the guy who's going to launch the nukes that will end the world. And so Johnny Smith is forced to reckon with, you know, that age old sort of intellectual exercise of what do you do if you could 
go back and kill Hitler. Like if you, if if you had the knowledge that someone was going to do something evil, would you go back and murder Hitler in his crib? Would you, in his case, would you kill Greg Stilson to save the world, knowing that you were going to die? He poses it to his doctor Sam Wiesak, who. Uh, tells him with no uncertain terms like oh yeah i would absolutely you know i would weigh the fact that i'm a doctor and i'm committed to saving lives and then i would go back and i would kill the son of a bitch uh herbert lom being awesome as per usual and so that's what he does and that's kind of the tragedy of the story is that he will johnny smith will always be known as the crazy person that tried to kill greg stilson without anyone ever understanding or knowing that he had this vision and and saved the world in a lot of ways. Like, he's almost a superhero. Uh, but it's a, a story that's very, t very personal in its telling. As you see him wrestling with this thing he has and not just wanting to ignore it. Um, at first, when Sarah comes to visit him after the coma and, and he learns that she is married and has a kid now... Um, that he quotes Legend of Sleepy Hollow and, and says, uh, because he was a bachelor and in no one's debt, no one paid no one paid any mind to him. And she says, well, is that what you're afraid of happening to you? And he says, it's what I want. It's what I want. And his delivery of it's what I want and the, the quieter repetition of it is one of my favorite things in the movie. And, and now let's get to Christopher Walken, who is... Uh, kind of known for his his out there performances, but this is just the opposite of that. It is so human and and frail, and it, I mean it's a little off because Christopher Walken is a little bit off, but in all the ways you would expect, like he he uh, is wrestling with really heavy stuff. Not just this ability to predict the future, but also the fact that there's something about this that's killing him, and he knows that, and he has to isolate himself just to kind of get by day to day because he doesn't he doesn't want this thing, he doesn't look, chase it. And when Tom Skerritt uh, shows up, uh, and it's always great to see Tom Skerritt show up in a movie, but when he shows up as the uh, the chief of police of this little town, that's you know plagued by murders and um he asked johnny to come help him like hey i want to i want you to try to use your power to help me find this killer use your gift you know uh, he says i didn't know your mother but i understand she was a religious woman and he has one of my favorite descriptions of not being religious and it's one i use a lot when people are like oh are you you know baptist or presbyterian the way he puts it is like, I'm not a religious man myself, I'm sad to say. And it's, it's framing it in that sense of like, oh, you know, the, much to my own chagrin, I'm not a religious person. Um, I always like that and I, and I have adopted it in, in my day to day. But uh, more importantly, he, he uses his mother's, Johnny's mother's religion and says, I think she would want you to use this gift if God has given you this gift. And it's walking, blowing up about like, gift, gift. Let me tell you what a pal God's been to me. He hurled a truck at me, stole my girl. I can barely walk on this leg. Like just this checklist of, you know, yeah, God's been a real pal to me. So that's Walken's vibe in the whole movie is 
I just, I wanted a normal life. And now all of this shit has happened to me where I have this power that I don't understand and I don't want it. And it makes me a freak. And all I want to do is live a life. And I can't even do that because my girl is now married to some other guy and I can't go out in public. I can't meet people because every time I touch them, I'm getting these visions that do me no favors. You know, his father uh, actually says to him at one point, like this thing of yours, it doesn't bring you much happiness, does it? And you know, that's the, 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 the tragedy of the film. That's what makes it so heartbreaking is that he doesn't want this. Um, It's not, I have psychic powers and I'm using them to my advantage. It's, this thing is unwanted. It's hurting me. It isolates me from the world around me. And now, through sheer circumstance, I'm thrust into a position where I am burdened with the knowledge that this guy is going to end the world. And I can stop him, but in in doing it, I ruin my my reputation. I, I end my own life, most certainly. There's no way I'm going to walk out of there alive. Um, but he does. You know, he makes that decision because he's a heroic character. He's a tragic character, but he's a heroic character. And, uh, and it's, it, it's just a heartbreaking performance because Walken captures the sadness of all of this really, really well. And he's surrounded by great actors too. You know, you have Brooke Adams from the the Kaufman Night uh, Night of the Living Dead, not that uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, Herbert Lom, Tom Skerritt, Anthony Zerbe is is really good as this you know wealthy father who hires him to tutor his son. Uh, Colleen Dewhurst, Martin Sheen. I mean, it's just a murderer's row of of great actors, and. Cronenberg uses all of them. And again, it's such a light touch. There's nothing in the movie that is audacious in Cronenbergian terms. You know, I, I really do like uh, that opening, you know, salvo of him being um, the, the the first indication of his psychic powers when you see him in his hospital bed, but the bed is on fire and he's now in the bedroom of this little girl. And it's not super showy but it puts you in 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 walking shoes so you understand you know sort of how he's having these visions and how intense they are um you know the Saturday Night Live did that great sketch where he uh was Johnny Smith in an office setting and he didn't have dramatic revelations about people it was just little stuff and they really um, uh, exaggerated that like little jerk in in the movie. It's much more subtle. It's just him being struck by these images and kind of moving. But in a movie, of course, subtle movement becomes bigger. Uh, but in a Saturday Night Live sketch, you know, his whole body is just jerking, and you're gonna have a sandwich today. And the turkey, it's gonna be dry. <laughs> you know that kind of stuff, and it's very funny, but. In the movie, it is it is very sad. Uh, it, it he does not enjoy this. Uh, there's a terrific scene where a reporter is trying to debunk him, and instead, the reporter ends up on the losing end of a conversation where Walken is like, "You want to know why your sister killed herself?" And he's like, "It's okay. No, it's not okay. It's fine. It's not fine." 
you know, uh, it's, oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, and, and that's where I ultimately land with the dead zone. It is uh, a brilliant film. It is wonderfully cast. It's wonderfully written. Cronenberg does a, a great job with the direction and the story is just oh, a great story. The biggest complaint I have with the movie is the complaint I kind of have with the book, which is it's very episodic. It's you're following Johnny Smith through, you know, here's the front end. Here's him directly after the accident. Here's him uh, dealing with his psychic powers. Here's him and, you know, uh, Frank Dodd and the murders in this small town. And here's him and Stilson. But all of it is you know, the through line is Johnny Smith himself and the character becoming, you know, like understanding what his destiny is and having to get cool with that. And, you know, even the moment when he's about to shoot Greg Stilson, which spoilers, if you haven't seen the dead zone, I won't tell you how that wraps up, but it's not how he thinks um, that you see on, on Walken's face, this idea of like, I don't want to do this, but I know I gotta. And he, there's a moment where he just takes a breath and resigns himself to, this is the last thing I will ever do on earth. You know, I'm about to die. And it's, I get Walken is so good in this. Like the movie would not be nearly as good if Christopher Walken was not in the lead role. Um, no, no question in my mind, but, um, you know, I, I kind of pose these questions in the post of, is this the best King adaptation? Probably in terms of just a successful film. It's not his most horrific, but it is supernatural and it is tragic and it is beautiful. Um, is this the most restrained Cronenberg has ever been? Maybe. Um, you know, there are, like I mentioned, uh, History of Violence and Eastern Promises are two films where... I don't know that I would call them restrained, but in Cronenbergian terms, perhaps. And uh, yeah, it, it it's just a, a wonderful film. Um, it's not the scariest movie or the most brash and, and out there and fun movie we're going to talk about. But if you want, you know, a Stephen King adaptation that is at the top of the heap, you know, one of the best movies you're going to see drawn from the works of this author... And, and also, if you just like Christopher Walken and have never seen The Dead Zone and want to see one of his best performances, I mean, The Dead Zone is is just terrific. Um, you know, I, I like getting to this part of the list because we talked about Christine yesterday and how much I love that and then The Dead Zone today. And I love The Dead Zone even more than that. And then tomorrow for The Big Finish, we're going to talk about a movie that I don't think is as successful a movie as The Dead Zone. Uh, but it's more Halloween appropriate. Um, but the Dead Zone still is, it, it's wonderfully, wonderfully uh, realized. And and one of the finest movies in the, like, I, uh, in the, the Cronenberg filmography, a lot of, like, you get lost in, you know, scanners and Videodrome and, oh, geez, uh, you know, Crash and uh, more recently crimes of the future and that kind of thing like and and for good reason those are all terrific movies but the dead zone sits up there for me as one of his best uh it's very different than a lot of the films he did but it's really 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 good 
Um, so yeah, if you've never seen it, check out the Dead Zone. If it's been a while, I hope my enthusiasm, uh, enthusiasms, um, will persuade you that you should probably go back and give it another spin. It's it's incredible. And so that brings us to uh, our final day tomorrow. Uh, you know, Monday the thirty first, the the actual day of Halloween. We'll be talking about another King adaptation tomorrow. Uh, and, and that'll do it for this year. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I have, uh, but more importantly, it's not over yet. So be sure you drop by the discord, uh, to do so you can go to legionpodcasts.com where you can find uh, a post letting you know that this show happened. And on that post, uh, on the website, you can, uh, you can absolutely find links to all the social media channels. I am most active on the discord. So if you want to drop by and uh, talk a little dead zone, I would love to do so. I love this movie so, so much. Um, and if you are subscribed to the Legion podcast, uh, podcast feed, and that is how you are hearing this, uh, I implore you, I beg you, uh, I, I get down on my hands and knees and I plead with you to, uh, subscribe to the dark parade, uh, on the podcast catcher of your choice. And uh, likewise, if you're listening to this on the Dark Parade, be sure you're subscribing to the Legion podcast feed where you can get other shows that I do, uh, as well as a whole bunch of others that are just uh, fantastic shows, especially around this here Halloween season. So that will do it for today. Be spooky out there. You only have a couple of days where you can legally be spooky uh, before it becomes a misdemeanor in most states and municipalities. So I will see you tomorrow. For Halloween, everybody. Talk to you then.